Supply chains today constantly require the need to be highly adaptable, agile and responsive while simultaneously being innovative, sustainable and cost-effective. But how does this happen when your supply chain is continuously evolving? Welcome to Supply Chain Picks, a collection of podcasts by DHL Supply Chain featuring subject matter experts across Europe, Middle East and Africa who bring you logistics insights to help understand, predict and respond effectively to the trends and challenges facing your logistics supply chain. On this episode, we will be discussing how the acceleration of e-commerce is playing a crucial role in the growth strategy of global sports brand Adidas. I'm your host, Nashani Premaratna. Let's get started. Ben and Dries, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you both here. I'd like to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself. Ben, how about you go first? Thank you, Nishani. Nice, uh, nice to have uh, have me on the podcast. Uh, my name is Ben. I'm uh, SVP uh, Global Logistics and Distribution of the Adidas Supply Chain, based out of Luzern, and uh, looking forward to our conversation. Thank you, Andres. Yeah, thanks, Nishani. It's great to be here. My name is Andres. I am a CEO for DHL Supply Chain in Central and Eastern Europe. I'm based in Warsaw, Poland, and I look forward to talking today more about e-commerce. It's great to have you both here. Let's get right into it. Ben, in the spring of last year, Adidas launched its growth strategy for 2025 called Own the Game. Can you talk us through this? Yes, sure, Nishani. Thanks for asking the question. And Own the Game is a growth strategy that's important to start with, and it's rooted in sports. As a sportsman, that's crucial to us, but it also defines mission, purpose, and everything you need around a strategy. And for us, it's clear to be the best sports brand in the world. So what does it mean? We want to own the marketplace to be first or second in every segment, which is key to us. And that's a big call. And our approach to that is simple. Impossible is nothing. So that is the mindset we have embraced with that strategy and moving forward. And with that, we're focusing clearly at the consumer being at the heart of the strategy but it is also brought to life by our people. So that's how it comes together. And it has three strategic focus areas where one is our brand credibility. It is secondly, our consumer experience. And thirdly, it is sustainability, which I'm very stoked about that to make it front of stage of a strategy. And then it is fueled by the mindset of innovation and digital transformation. In the end, it will be the strategy where Adidas shift the focus to DTC-led and our e-commerce sales even more growing through the roof. And I'd like to actually just focus on, uh, to, to kick off, just to focus on that shift to your direct-to-consumer-led business model, seeing that this is a key focus of your strategy. What are the key consumer trends, macroeconomic trends in the market that drove this strategy? Interesting, though, is that we have built a strategy in the pandemic. So we had to basically adjust while building. And we learned that the pandemic has accelerated the key trends for our industry and with that for our strategy. And the five key trends I would I would call out here would be first at leisure. So consumers demand still a high-performing product, but they want to wear it not just for sports. They want to wear it in the office. They want to wear it in their free time. And Betterment, as a second, more and more people are exercising to improve their their lifestyle. Third, consumers are more and more digital, shopping 
in every uh, circumstances uh, on their phones. And they're definitely looking for a sustainable product more and more and a premium product more and more. So those are the other last two trends of the top five we have looked at. And all of them have been really very much um, driving the growth in our industry, actually. Um, to give you give you um, some perspective, our industry is meant to outgrow the broader economy by a factor of two until 2025. And 50% of that growth is accounted for in the area of sports and lifestyle. Andres, I'm going to turn to you based on what Ben just described to us. I mean, um, given that direct-to-consumer model, it's obvious that companies like DHL supply chain, contract logistics providers are also seeing e-commerce as a key strategic focus in terms of their service offering to support brands like Adidas. Can you elaborate? Yeah, and Shani, I think if you are a um, logistics provider today and you're not focusing on e-commerce, you're probably missing out on a massive opportunity, but you're also more importantly not answering the call from the market and, and your customer expectations. So I think in the first instance, that is why e-commerce and direct-to-consumer service offering is very much a key part of our strategy inside DHL supply chain. It is also a growth strategy, and, and we've seen that become even more important over the last few years as a result of the pandemic. Um, that, that being said, I think we, we focused on our strategy around designing processes that are maximized um, to deliver uh, speed and efficiency for our customers. That is, that is the first and, and most important focus. Um, this comes with a number of operational requirements, and maybe later on we will get a little bit into that. But the bottom line is that as you see the maturity of online shopping mature, um, and as I've mentioned, that gets accelerated by COVID-19, what we look to do in terms of our strategic focus is to make sure we give an end-to-end -end buyer experience that is seamless for our customers. Um, we can scale up and down as required, and, and hopefully that's mostly up as demand increases, and we expect that to be the case. We, we see from our customers a great demand to be flexible. So we also want to make sure we provide that level of flexibility. And then I think, as Ben has mentioned already, the, the key elements then that come into play is the inno innovation aspect, so making sure that this is digital, and that we do this in a sustainable way. We have that responsibility and we want to have that responsibility in terms of our e-commerce strategy also being sustainable um, for the long term. So all of these levers go into how we approach our e-commerce strategy from a DHL supply chain perspective. Thanks, Andres. And, and we'll touch on some of that in just a second. But I want to go back to Ben. Ben, you described trends like consumers now sh shopping more on their phone than ever before, looking for those premium, premium products, uh, all in all, trying to improve their lifestyle. So looking at Adidas and your strategy, how are you trying to optimize your e-commerce customer experience? I think, Nishani, it starts with an acknowledgement that e-commerce is our number one store and that we have to treat it in the same way. And we have framed the term, which I like, that actually the e-com store is a window to our soul as a brand. And with that, we're giving that access to consumers. And we have to make that, as Andres explained on the service side, equally seamless for the consumer. So our app ecosystem between our newly launched confirmed app, our running apps and our shopping apps have to be experienced as one for the consumer to find the product they need and also to create brand heat around them. And with that seamless experience, 
we will drive consumers to buy at Adidas first and get the products um, they, they like um, the way they like it. And on top of that, we have put a lot of focus on what we call membership first idea so that once you sign up with us, you have exclusive access to product, but also exclusive access to events, celebrities, our, our lineup of, of athletes, so that you get a different experience beyond the product on top. E-commerce is a window to the soul of our brand. That's great. And given that you just, the word you said, seamless experience that we also need to create behind the scenes with the service partners you use, what has been the implication on your supply chain operations so far? It has been disruptive, I can say, um, because the, the hyper growth has led to different shifts in the capacities we have created. Um, so that was a sprint for our teams. But um, the focus has been not just creating the right capacity to serve the search and demand, it also has been there to make sure we give the consumers more and more choices um, of how they want to receive the product and that they are most flexible in the speed of how they want it. Some want it fast, but some want it slower. That's more towards the consumer, but in the end, what it means for us, we had to have and gain more control of our inventories to make sure we actually can deliver the the product and um, the experience to the consumer. And for this, we have defined quite a clear framework of service levels, and we have that in tiers. One example is for the 12 key cities we have nominated around the globe. We have the highest experience of service levels available, but next to that, where we want to serve next day in that area, we also want to have half of the globe receiving our products next day as well. So there's an opportunity to really increase the speed compared to today. And then the consumer can further fine-tune and refine between different choices along along the purchasing product to really have it based on, on their, on their uh, best needs. In even going further back, we also tap into more nearshoring and other even sourcing, manufacturing, um, upstream uh, innovations to make sure we can supply products and fill the pipelines also with more fresh products. So it's not just on the immediate distribution center, which you might expect. It is going further, further down the chain. Amazing. And then, you know, with obviously more options now, opportunities for consumers um, to experience the brand and consumer shopping online, they're most likely going to, you know, order different sizes of items and looking at your strategy in particular and just focusing on how you have set up your returns strategy. Uh, what's really interesting is that when the order is placed and the consume and, and essentially the consumer returns it, it could, that item could go back to the e-com node that was fulfilling the order. But instead, your strategy was to bring a pool of expertise and centralize and establish a returns hub in Europe. What drove this particular strategy around returns? So for us, Nishani, scale is important. And we have a huge number of consumers likely to serve in Europe, and they return at various rates by country. But we need to make sure that they get their money back quickly to be able to buy other products, hopefully with us, and have that seamless experience. And we definitely believe that we, by creating that scale, should serve 90 plus percent of our needs with that for certain very much outlier regions we have the opportunity to also return in stores or in the nearest dc but the majority is still faster to then have it efficiency and 
really with scale built in one place. And matter of fact, we have learned that 80% of consumers who shop with us the first time and have a bad returns experience, they won't come back to buy another product. Although if you have a positive one, 97% would come back and actually buy, um, buy again from us. And if you have a DTC-led online business model, that is one of the paramount battlefields you have to win. Thank you for sharing those insights with us. And I mean, Andres, back to you. What does it take to then operationally run a returns e-commerce operation or be it even inbound or outbound? Yeah, I think operations and Ben and I can probably both tell you stories of how we are watching sometimes in awe of what our teams can do in, in our sites. Um, operations is not is not an easy game in, in any industry, but then specifically in e-commerce. I think it is impossible to talk about what it takes operationally in e-commerce without firstly mentioning people. And, and then if I may also just say, inside our DHL supply chain business in Europe, Middle East and Africa, we have approximately 8,000 people working in the e-commerce sites that we have across across the continent. Um, and when you have this amount of people, the, the effort you've got to put in around training, development, the safety of these people, that is incredibly important because that becomes a differentiator in the market and helps you to deliver the customer problem. So people for me is first and foremost the, the, the first area that we look at. Um, that being said, it, it cannot only be about people and we need to create an ecosystem around them that helps them to deliver on the customer promise. So in that regard then, Ashani, we look at many different areas and I'll just highlight three or four of those. We, It's very important to get the automation right that you want to use. Uh, so that then speaks very directly to designing a flow of product that is optimal for the customer, that suits the design of the building, and then, then you can kit out with the right level of automation to deliver the productivities that you're looking for to get the accuracy that you need. So this is, this is a key part. As Ben has already mentioned, there are, in many cases, there are strategic locations. So you've got to place your operation also in the right area to meet your customer demand. That, this helps you to deliver speed to market. So there you're looking at having the right real estate strategy behind your e-commerce operation to have strategic locations that are fit for purpose. All of these products come from a warehouse and somehow have to reach the end consumer. So that ability to integrate with your transportation providers is super important. Um, there are many different ways in which that can do probably much more than what we can discuss today. But that is, again, something that we look at very closely in all different types of e-commerce operations. And I think more and more as we as we go through this, we see the importance of having a returns capability in your site. And Ben has already just given those statistics um, around 80% of customers that are um, not coming back after a bad experience. We'd much rather be part of the 97% which do come back if something went wrong, but they were helped quickly and effectively. So that's why the focus for us on returns from a DHL supply chain perspective is also increasing significantly at the moment. So you put all of these pieces together and you can and you can most of the time build a puzzle that runs a successful e-commerce operation, be it for inbound, outbound or returns. Just on that last part, are there any long-term strategic needs in specifically lo looking at returns that DHL is trying to address um, to support the customer? Yeah, I think we are looking closer at a number of things. We're working on developing a warehouse management system that's more effective to create a single user interface specific for returns within our operations. So 
that is one aspect of something we're doing at the moment. Um, we're also working with our partners. We want to build modular systems that cover the returns process from the point when an end consumer wishes to initiate a return until the product is finally dispatched for, for final disposition. Um, and all of this forces us, and, and something that we're also proactively doing, to be honest, in terms of continuing to innovate and enhance our IT platforms that helps us to deliver this. It is, it is not possible to talk about returns if you do not have a very good IT platform behind it. Um, and there's a lot, again, a lot of detail around what that means for us, how we do this, um, how do we make sure we pull information from the various sources into a single interface that we can use for our customers. But as DHL supply chain at the moment, we are investing and we have invested so far, and we'll continue to do that, invest heavily in the in the returns capability that we offer to the market for customers such as Adidas um, and the e-commerce industry as a whole. Thanks, Andres. And shifting gears slightly to innovation now, uh, Ben, I'm going to turn to you. One of the areas you highlight as part of owning the game, uh, the strategy is the mindset of innovation is an enabler across the entire company. Can you talk us through what your expectations are from your logistics providers when it comes to innovation and digitalization? Sure. And I think the, the most important topic you said, Nishan, is the mindset. If you find someone like-minded as us focusing on innovation, investing in the right areas of data, of digital, that's the starting point. If that is not the case, the baseline is not there and the partnership can't be there together. So and then it's about identifying those joint areas where we can focus together and with the joint data set can create more value in the end for our consumer because that's why we're here for and that's what we're aiming at together. At the same time, we have the great concept of believing that we should not do everything ourselves. We live in open source and that there are people who can do certain things better in the marketplace. So we are very happy to plug in innovation in our ecosystem, which coming from someone externally and with that also from our logistics suppliers and then replicate it through our network with scale as fast as we can to, to create the benefit and the impact uh, ultimately. I think with on the game, the things we added towards innovation is clearly also the twist on sustainability to say, okay, innovation always has to not have the efficiency or the experience. It also has to make it a more sustainable ecosystem jointly um, because we wanted to impact our planet in a more positive way than we all do together as we speak to add that to the mindset as a very must item. And, and then Dries, no pressure there, but what is DHL supply chain doing to live up to such expectations around innovation, digitalization, sustainability? Yeah, I think there is always pressure to live up to those expectations. But if I can say this, I don't. I think we've also not been caught napping in this regard. It's no secret there is a labor shortage in, in the world in general, in the markets where we operate and a majority of the markets where we operate. And I think um, specifically in supply chain. So... Uh, there's been a, a lot of investments made over the last few years, pre-pandemic even, in terms of creating a capacity and creating a, a talent pool and a knowledge base from which we can then satisfy those levels of expectations. Um, I think specifically we've worked very hard and invested already extensively uh, in collaborative robotic solutions, and we've identified 12 of these technologies that have got clear benefits for our customers that we can implement. Um, we very much believe that it's good to think futuristically about which solutions will come 
but it's also very important to implement solutions that actually can make a tangible difference already the minute they get implemented and that we don't get ourselves too focused on only research and development, but also can make a real difference on the floor in our operations um, on a daily basis. At the same time, I think the aspect around data analytics have taken a lot of focus from us because this helps us to, through predictive data analytics, really understand customer demand, better forecast these levels of demand, and then use this effectively in our planning and our decision making um, to give customers that level of flexibility that, that they require um, in specifically then again e-commerce solutions. And I think if you, if you put those two areas at the, at the heart of your strategy, um, then you have a much better chance at living up to these expectations, specifically in e-commerce. So these are two examples of things that we've done so far. And if you combine that with the people and the, the great workforce we have, then I think we are able to live up to these expectations. Thanks. Thanks, Andres. And Ben, last question for you in terms of um, you talked about sustainability as part of your strategy. It's outlined reducing energy and material consumption is, you know, very strongly highlighted in your strategy and from a supply chain perspective, why is packaging important for this agenda? I mean, maybe to give you the context of our supply chain, the the most of the impact is created when we produce a product. That is definitely a focus area. That's why materials are in the focus. That's why we create circular loops to make sure we can reuse and almost endlessly reuse um, those products. Nevertheless, there will be quite a portion created in supply chain, and that's our ownership. We have to reduce that to the minimum. And um, packaging is important. It is in the interface to the consumer, while it is a great opportunity to cut waste. And I'm not sure how about you, but I think we all receive packages with too much air inside and everybody gets frustrated. So that is a very easy perception and a very easy waste reduction moment we can we can make for us as a company, as well as for the consumer and our planet, and which we, you know, can contribute to our sustainability targets, which in the end, we need to be seen as that sustainable uh, company. Um, consumers just expect that from us in the, in the future, if they make their purchasing choices. Well, you certainly do have an impressive target with nine out of 10 Adidas articles to be sustainable as part of owning the game. Ben, Andres, this has been so insightful. Thank you so much for sharing your insights and expertise on e-commerce and its impact on supply chains. Thank you so much, Nishani, for having us. Thanks, Nishani. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to Supply Chain Picks. If you are a supply chain professional or simply keeping up with logistics trends, please share this with a colleague or a friend. You can find us on DHL.com or connect with us on LinkedIn at DHL Supply Chain.